Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, and it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. They did that because that's what they had to do. They were not welcome to be in close proximity because of the disease that they had. If they walked into any place that people were even relatively close, they had to begin to scream unclean, unclean, so that people wouldn't accidentally come too close to them and possibly contact their disease. So they stood afar off, but they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten that were cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. Save this stranger. One final statement in this small story that spans just really relatively a small amount of verses. The last thing we read is where Jesus said, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith has made thee whole. Thy faith has made thee whole. I always ask the Lord to give me some kind of a title. Some are a little catchier than others. I, I feel like the Lord has kind of given me this title, hopefully to try to help you remember this message as the weeks and months pass. Well, there are certain messages that you're not meant to forget. I mean, the, the word goes out there and it never comes back void, but there are some that we need to cling to that get us through difficult times. I hope that this title can help burn this message and the thoughts that I want to convey to you this morning into your heart today. It's simply titled it, The Whole Story. The whole story. Jesus said, go thy way. Thy faith has made you whole. You may be seated today. I'm going to ask a, a question that I'm not really looking for an answer for out of anyone today. Uh, you know who you are and uh, probably would consider most of you to fall in this category, but there are some that I know won't. The question is simply this, how many like to cook? I mean, I'm not talking about just cooking to stay alive. You know, you throw some ramen noodles in a, in a bowl. You like, to, you like to create things. You like to really take a recipe that maybe you've never tried before but sounds good, and you want to try to develop something that just blows your family away. I'm quite certain that there are quite a few people in this group of people this morning that would fall into that category where you really 
like to make something that just wows the folks that are going to eat whatever it is that you have prepared. We just had, uh, not too many weeks back, our annual fall uh, picnic, and uh, Sister Joanne started about a year ago, year and a half ago, making something that's very near and dear to my heart. She began to make homemade cream horns. And I will just say this. I, I guarantee you that when we get to the, the Lamb Supper in heaven, that I'm going to look over and I'm going to find on display there somewhere the Lord had brought Sister Joanne uh, uh, into the kitchen of heaven someplace and says, I want you to make the somewhere those cream horns are going to be on that buffet. My wife loves me so much that when Sister Joanne got there, she went and snagged one of those and set it aside. Was that you or was that somebody else? I thought it was you. Okay. She said, I knew you would want one of these, and I know that they probably won't last very long, and you'll get tied up talking to people the next thing you know. They'll all be eaten. And so she set one off to the side for me to have after that I finished my meal. I will admit to you right here publicly it did not make it to the meal. I started eating it when nobody was still around just so I could stand off all by myself in a corner someplace and eat that delicious treat all by myself and enjoy it without any interruption or any little kid or even one of my grand... I love my grandchildren, but I'm not sharing my cream horns with them. Okay. Maybe a little bit. So let me ask all of you out there that, that consider yourself somewhat of a cook. You like to bake or cook or whatever. Have you ever, have you ever sat down to eat something that you've made and the family's all gathered around the table and you've said grace and, and people begin to slice it up or spoon it into their, into their plates and, and, and begin to eat? Have you ever made something that everybody else began to eat and they were raving about how good it was, but in your mind, you've tasted it already. And somewhere in the recesses of your mind, you said to yourself, yeah, it's good, but there's just something missing. Something missing here. Nobody's complaining about it. Everybody's talking about how good it is, but you know, you created it. You're not quite satisfied with the overall product that you've laid out to serve your family. You know that there's something that could have made it just a little bit better than what it was. It's not that what you have created isn't servable. It's not that it's not pleasing to those that have gathered around the table. You've created something wonderful, but you just know that it could have been perfect. It needed something else to make it complete. And then you go to sleep that night and it's still bugging you. And about three o'clock in the morning, your eyes pop open and it dawns on you. I know what I forgot. I forgot that half a stick of butter. Or I forgot that pinch of salt or I forgot that basil leaf or I, whatever the ingredient might have been. It hits you right upside the head at the most inopportune moment because it's still working in your mind. You're trying to comprehend what was it missing that made it not perfect. No one complained. 
wasn't that it didn't taste good. Everyone seemed to think it was wonderful. But you knew, you knew that it wasn't complete. It's not that something was wrong. It's just that something wasn't right. Weird way to put it, Pastor. How can something not be wrong but still not be right? I'm telling you, it's possible for that to take place. You're praying. <laughs> Let me ask you. Let me ask you this. Have you ever felt that way in your walk with the Lord? Have you ever felt like, I can't really say that there's anything wrong I can't really say that my relationship, I'm not backslidden. I'm not going off the, uh, 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 of the rails doing something crazy. I'm not walking away from God. I'm still praying. I'm still faithful to the house of God. I'm living a morally pure life. I'm good, doing good to people. But there's a nagging feeling somewhere deep on the inside that says, why doesn't my inner man feel the peace that my outer man proclaims to have? I know I'm hitting some people in the right where it counts today, right in the center of your heart. I know I have just stepped on something that is that is touching a key part of some people that are hearing the sound of my voice. It's not that something is wrong. It's not that you can lay a finger on it and say, well, this is my problem. It's not that something is completely wrong, but you know and you have a feeling that not everything is right. I've come with some good news for you today. This is hitting where you're living. You don't need an overhaul. You simply need a minor adjustment. I've been playing golf for well over a decade now. Are you any good? No, I'm not. I've tried, I am better than when I first began, I will say that. And I'm just not that good of a golfer, but I have learned a few things that have helped me become better than when I first started out on the golf course. And early on, I got a lot of advice from a lot of different people. Has anybody else ever been out there like that? And you watch a lot of videos, and, you know, you're out there, and some well, uh, you know, somebody that can play pretty good and well-meaning, well-intentioned person begins to try to help you. Well, uh, okay, stick, stick your back out. Hold your club this way. Okay, turn your head this way. Keep this arm straight. And before you know it, you feel like you're a contortionist in the carnival. You take a swing at the ball, and at least you used to hit it before, but now you can't even find the ball, where the ball is at. Keep your eye on the ball. Don't lift your head. Twist your wrist this way. And some of those things worked. And I can remember a certain time several years ago when when I had the, the pleasure of going with our next-door neighbor, he invited me to go play a round of golf with him, and I was all for that because my next-door neighbor happens to be in the coaching hall of fame. He's a golf was the local high school golf instructor here, and I thought this is my opportunity to get some advice that I know is coming from a, a place of experience. 
this guy knew what he was doing, and so he took me out on the golf course. And I remember one particular time I was standing there. He said, I'm just going to stand back and watch how you present the ball, how you, you approach the ball. And so I stood up to it, and he said, now you need to move closer to the ball. And so I, I took a step, and he said, whoa. And he backed me up into my previous position. He said, when I say take a step, he said, I don't mean six or eight inches. He said, I'm talking about a half an inch. And so what he said to me after that was something that kind of revolutionized my way of thinking when I approached my golf game. And this is what he said. He said, golf is a game of minutia. There, there's nothing that is a major change for most people. He said, most people can get the mechanics of things down. It's not a major change. When I tell you to move forward a bit, I'm not talking about taking a full step. He said, I'm talking about small changes. Minutia, the small, precise, or trivial details of something. And I learned on that day that sometimes the smallest changes can make the biggest differences. Sometimes as, as we're moving towards God, we feel like we've got to make massive changes. And God is saying, wait, wait, you don't need a total overhaul. You just need Simple, small, little details to be fine-tuned in your life to make all the difference. Hear me. It is possible to be healed and not be whole. You can have a relationship with God at the end of the day, lay your head down and say, there's something missing. I can't quite put my finger on it. I'm doing the mechanics of what it takes to have a right relationship with God. I'm going through all the mechanics, but something is still missing. What does it mean to even be made whole. The definition of the word is in an unbroken or undamaged state in one piece. That sounds like a good way to live to me. I mean, how many people do you know in your life as you go from your day-to-day -day business, how many broken people do you know? How many people do you know that on the surface are getting through life, but not in an unbroken and a wholeness in their spirit? How many people that sit on a church pew every single Sunday? How many people come to Wednesday night Bible studies? How many people go through the motions of what it takes to, to have a relationship with God? And it's not necessarily that something is completely wrong. It's just that they know down deep in their spirit, spirit that not everything is completely right. I want to live a life that all the pieces are there. You want to talk about a frustrating thing, start putting one of these puzzles together and come up with a missing piece. I will just about get furious and sling the whole thing off in the floor if I find that there's a piece missing. 
We had one of those puzzles not too long ago. My wife put it all back in the box. She walked back up to the store. She said, this thing is missing a piece. They said, we'll go get you another one. It was missing a piece. There's something so satisfying about having the whole picture. I don't care if it's just a, a solid piece down on the corner of a blue sky someplace. The picture is not complete until all the pieces are there. Friend, you do not have to live this life broken. You do not have to live this life with some missing pieces, but you can be made whole if you will allow God to touch you in the places that he needs to touch you down deep in your spirit. God is not satisfied with just healing you. He wants you to be made whole. He wants you to be satisfied. Jesus is walking to Jerusalem, but he's traveled He's traveling through Samaria and Galilee on his way there. That, that was the route. As he travels through one of the small villages on his journey, he's recognized by a group of men on the outskirts of town, but it's not the local welcoming committee. They're not there to, to give him advice. They're not there to tell him what restaurant is the best one to, to go to uh, while he's traveling through their fair town. No, they're lepers. They're outcast. They're secluded from everything and everybody except for other lepers. Not welcome in the marketplace. They're not welcome in the public venues that everyone else comes and goes to freely. They're shunned. They're shunned because of the stigma of their disease being associated with sin. They weren't even welcome in the places of worship. We take coming to this church for granted. I, I know I do. I, I just think every single day. I, I, Wednesday night is Bible study. Sunday we're going to have a couple of services. We're going to go unlock the door to make sure that the heat or the air is on. We're going to turn the lights on. People are going to begin to gather in, and we're going to come together, and we're going to worship, and all are welcome. But in this day and age, that was not the case. If you had a spot of leprosy on you, you were cast out. You could not come to church. I cannot imagine being told, hey, everybody else is going to church today, but you got to stay home. You can't go around any people. You're considered unclean. You have sin in your life or you have a disease in your life, and you cannot go there and be a part of that, not just for a week or two until you heal up or your fever goes away, but from now until the day you die, you are no longer welcome to worship in the house of God. Think of how that must have felt. They were begging for mercy because any chance for restoration was at least worth a try. In this short story of these ten leprous men, there's no record of any fanfare. You know, Jesus sometimes, it was kind of cool the way that he healed people. You know, he grabbed one man that was blind and he said, hey, come here, and he reached down in some dirt and got a little spittle in his hand, and he mixed the, the dirt and the spit together, and he reached down, and he put it in the guy's eye. How would you like it if Grandpa put some mud in your eye? You wouldn't like that, would you? No, I didn't think so. I don't blame you. At least the blind guy couldn't see it coming.
We the flesh. Don't don't you don't you touch me. He just stood there. I don't know, maybe in his mind, he thought it was some kind of bomb. Some kind of medicine. He had no idea, I don't think, what was in his eye. I don't think Jesus said, now hold still, this may sting a little bit. I've just worked up a little bit of mud, and I'm going to stick it in your eye. That's not what he said, as far as I can tell. He just reached up, and he put it in the guy's eye, and he was made whole. There are times when he spoke, and there was a crowd of people around. Lazarus, come forth. And the dead guy that had been dead in the tomb for three days gets up and walks out, still bound in his grave clothes. Grave clothes, and all the people that were standing around, I'm sure their jaws dropped to the floor. But none of that here in this case. No dipping in any rivers. Just a simple statement. I don't think he even said, you're healed. If he did, it's not recorded. He simply said one thing that they understood. He said, go show yourself to the priest. That was something they were not allowed to do unless they were clean. You see, they'd been put out. They'd been declared unfit and unclean. They couldn't come around, but if somebody by chance were healed of a disease that caused them to be an outcast, they first, before they could go back into society, had to go before the priest, and the priest would then look at them and inspect them, and if they were still unclean, he would send them away, and he'd tell them, no, you cannot come back to your homeland. No, you cannot go back to your family. No, you cannot reassimilate into your old life. You have to stay in the colony of lepers. But if they were clean, the priest would declare them clean, and they could return to their normal activities. They understood what that statement implied. The only reason Jesus would have reason to send them to the priest was so that they could be inspected and found to be healed of their disease and pronounced clean. That meant that they could go back into society, go back to their homes, hug their children. You know, I, I can't blame these men. I, I mean, I'm thinking about myself. Where would I be if, if maybe it had been years since, since I'd been able to see my grandchildren, years since I'd been able to, to hug my wife, uh, years since I'd been able to, to see my, my children or any family members or old friends. If I was gone an outcast for, for five or six years and I hadn't been able to come around any of you people, how disappointing would that be to live that lifestyle? But now to have the, the opportunity to go back before the priest and possibly have him declare me clean and I could go back and see everybody, all my old friends. I could I could go back and, and hug my children, kiss my wife, and, and live in my own house again. How exciting would that be? So understanding, understanding the implication of that Jesus was telling them, go to show yourself to the priest, that meant that, that there was an opportunity for them to 
be made whole and be pronounced clean and go back to see the people that they loved. I know that they were excited. They had to be excited. It's going to mean their lives are going to change tremendously for the better. But I want you to I want you to understand something here. They were not immediately healed. Jesus did not say to them, you're healed, and then they looked around like, whoa, we are. Let's go. No, he sent them on, he sent them to church. He sent them to the priest. He sent them to the synagogue. He sent them in the right direction. And they, if they would have not started heading in the place that they were directed to go in the first place, I don't believe they would have been healed. But be, because they followed his direction and they headed towards the man of God in their life, they headed towards the house of God in their life, because they followed that simple instruction, the Bible says that while they were going, they were made, uh, they were healed. In the process of following the instruction and being directed to the proper place, the Bible says then and only then were they healed. I got a feeling they may have started off walking. Well, he said, go see the priest, so let's go see the priest. I don't know how far away they got, but the Bible just says that as they were walking, Brother Jared, as they were walking, they were healed. I guarantee you one thing, that if they were walking, when they, were, when they looked down and saw that they were healed, their walk turned into a run. If I hadn't seen my wife in years because of leprosy, if I hadn't been able to sit down and have a conversation and a cup of coffee, if I had not been able to give her a big hug and kiss her, good morning, I think I think I would run. And as I believe that they were running, now this is just in my mind, I can see them take off running with excitement. They are ecstatic about the change that has taken place in their life and what it means for them. One of them stops, slows down. And the rest of them are running, but one of them looks back and notices, hey, aren't you coming? Come on. We can't wait to go show ourselves to the priest because that means that we can go show ourselves to our families. That means I can see my kids. Don't you understand what this means? I think he understood exactly what it meant. As a matter of fact, I would say that the one that stopped running was the one that understood what had happened better than any of them did. Somewhere in his heart, he just couldn't find it in himself to walk away from the one that made it possible without showing some gratitude. The rest of them just took off running, but one says, I got to go say thanks. I got to go show appreciation. I've got to go give God some glory here because this is, this is why I'm able to be healed. So he turns around knowing that the others are going to be with their families, their loved ones, before he is. 
but also the realization hit him that there was something he needed to do first before family, before children, before finding his way back at his old job or occupation, before setting down and having a meal with his friends, before even going back to church again. There was something he needed to take care of. And that something was going and say thank you. Showing a spiritude, a spirit of thanksgiving. For music come today. Bible relates the story this way. He he walks back and he begins to glorify God, which is key. He falls at the feet of Jesus. He simply says, thank you. He shows a spirit of gratitude. The other interesting thing to me about this particular story is the Bible makes a statement that it's easy to just kind of gloss over and, and not really pay attention to it, but it tells us and this man was a Samaritan. You see, we really don't know too much about the group of men, but I would have to venture to say that the path to Jerusalem that Jesus was on, he's walking through these little towns, Galilee of Samaria. And so I think it's very possible that this group of 10 men was not all Samaritan men but that it was a mixture of ethnicities. There were Jewish men, I believe, that were in that crowd as well as Samaritan men. Because Jesus makes the statement, this man is a Samaritan. He's a stranger. And yet, even though that there were most likely other ethnicities, possibly Jewish people in that group of lepers, men that should have known, it was a stranger that came back and said, thank you for what you've done for me. An unlearned man that possibly did not know who Jesus was or the significance of him being the Messiah. But he had enough sense to know when to say thank you. Because of that, something extra special happened to him. Jesus asked the question, I healed 10, but there's only one coming back to say thanks. Where are the other nine? I think within that statement, He's making a very valid statement in the fact that he's expecting everybody to say thank you. But is it possible that the most unlikely one was the one that was most touched when he was healed of his leprosy? and had enough spiritual sense 
to go back and kneel at the feet of Jesus. It didn't take days. It was a few words. It was a few actions, and he was on his way just like everybody else, but he was different than everybody else. And the only difference that I can find between that man and the other nine was that he saw the importance of saying thank you. And that made all the difference. I said it before, I'll say it again. It is possible to be healed and not whole. But it was a simple attitude of thanksgiving that led to faith that brought the wholeness. There's a path to getting where we all want to be. Would you stand with me today? There are steps that we take that cannot be jumped, but they are a part of the process. And at least for this leper, the first step was taking the time to say thank you. This has got to be more than just an attitude that comes around every November the 25th. This has, got an attitude, this has got to become an attitude in the heart and the mind and the soul of every child of God that, that begins every day with a spirit of thanksgiving. Wakes up every morning and doesn't look around at everything we can complain about and with a scowl on our face and why isn't this done and I've got all this to take care of today. Let me tell you, if we wake up with that attitude, our day will follow suit. But if we can wake up in the morning, the first thing we do is Notice that we didn't wake up in a cold house, shivering. We just got a good night's sleep in a soft bed. And that there's breakfast. Maybe it's not in bed. It's still in the refrigerator. Like I said, there's a process to things. There's food. There's clothing. There's shelter. There's a love of a family. It's the love of a church. Because we're surrounded by those things so much, sometimes it's easy for us to just overlook all the blessings that God has given us. I'm going to close with this story. Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus, is sitting by the way begging when Jesus passes by. He's doing the same thing that those ten lepers did. He's shouting for mercy. Jesus, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Jesus happens to stop him. What can I do for you? Blind Bartimaeus says, I just want to be able to see again. I just want to have my sight back. And Jesus says to him, go thy way. What's he say after that? Thy faith has made thee whole. And immediately, the Bible says, he received his sight. But I like the way this verse ends. And followed Jesus in the way. There's a difference in being made, in, in being healed and going and doing your own thing. You know, I've had to ask myself before, you know, God, did you waste a healing on this person? Because they're acting like a knucklehead. You would think that if somebody were healed, that they would devote their life to the Lord. But you know what? Not every healing evolves into a wholeness. 
Wholeness starts by thanking him and ends with following him. You can be healed, and it's good for a lifetime. But you can be made whole, and it would be good for all eternity. It's got an extended warranty to wholeness. Maybe you've watched one of those home remodel shows where a carpenter and a designer get together, husband and wife team or whatever. And they've got a group of people that help them out. They walk into this place and it's broken down. The ceilings are falling in. The windows are broken. But that designer looks at that, hmm, we'll do this, we'll do that. And the carpenter can make it happen. She visualizes it or the designer visualizes it and then the carpenter makes it makes it come to into a reality. And most of the times on those types of reality shows like that, they'll send the people away. Now you go, we're going to put you up over here and we're going to have all this done and in a week's time or two weeks time we'll bring you back in and and show you everything we we've done. I think the reason that they do that is we get attached sometimes to the old way of living. We get attached to the broken windows because it's symbolic of something that happened in our life that we want to hang on to. We get attached to the things that don't work right anymore. And so the master has to come in and say, I need you over here out of my way. And when you come back, we'll show you what we're able to do. They don't get to see the process until later. Sometimes we get bogged down in wanting to know what the process is, and the Lord just says, let me handle it. You just do what I told you to do. You just head in the right direction. I just want you to go this way. Well, why? 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 You don't have to know why other than the fact that that's what he told you he wanted you to do. And trust, trust that he is leading you towards a better life. Of course, the moment finally comes when, when it's done and it's time for them to reveal the completed work. People, I've seen them react in all different kinds of ways. I've seen people walk in, they're standing there, and they throw back open the curtain or they throw back open the billboard, whatever's in the way, keeping them from seeing the finalized product. And I've seen people just, oh, they collapse, you know, Tears start rolling down. I've seen people so containful of excitement, they can't hardly stand up and they're dancing around. They, they can't sit still and they're, they're just screaming. And, and, and people react all different types of way with their emotions. But the one thing that I always see somewhere in there, they say, Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Why? Because they realize that something was accomplished with the help of the masters that would have never been able to be accomplished by themselves. So my advice at the end of this message is simply this. Let the one who created you, the master, let him direct you, let him work in you, let him heal you, let him make you whole. There's no feeling. There's no feeling like taking that spoonful of that soup or that 
chili or that piece of cake or that masterpiece that you've created and saying, knowing that's it. That's perfect. You can't improve on that. God wants your life to be like that. God wants you to feel that feeling of being whole. We're satisfied with healing, but God says, no, I want you to be made whole. Would you bow your heads with me today? How incredulous would it be if somebody who just had a complete home makeover when it was revealed to them, just kind of shrugged the shoulders and said, well, yeah, it's all right. Okay, let's, you know, let's go move in. No fanfare. Let's just, and never said thank you. I think some of us would want to go throw a rock through the window. Listen to me. Don't let a stranger show God more gratitude than the child of God shows him. Jesus said, this is, man is a stranger. He's a Samaritan. He's not even a believer. He doesn't even like Jews, and the Jews don't like him. But he was the one that was made whole, even though he didn't fit in in so, so many ways. As they begin to sing this song today, I'm going to open this altar up. And I wonder if there would be some folks that would just like to come and just say thank you. You want to take a step towards that missing piece, that something that you can't quite put your finger on, let it start right here. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.